Her name is Ambika Devi, speaker, coach, meditation Jedi, astrologer, and best-selling author. She has a colorful toolbox rooted in creativity, holistic health, and the cosmos. In this episode, we talk about the power of meditation and how to tame the mind. Ambika is a powerhouse, and her extensive knowledge empower her to lead you to the experience of what the state of meditation really is. Ambika is giving you the gift of sleep in this episode. In her sleep course, she's guiding you to a deeply relaxed state. Go to her website, ambikascoaching.com, or endsleepenvy.com, and she's generously offering offering our listeners 50% off for a limited time. Use coupon code NEWLIGHTLIVING for a limited time. Are you ready to meet Ambika? Let's go. Your ideal life is one right turn away, right here and right now with me, Arika Sullivan and New Light Living. See your life in a new light, In this show, I'm bringing real-world tools to show you how to ignite the light within you and restore your balance to who you truly are. That busy, exhausted feeling isn't anyone's true purpose. Get back to the heart of your real self. Begin to live in your ideal dream day every day. Learn how to stop giving your energy away. Trust your intuition and chill out your ego and learn how to find your calm. The journey begins now. Come and step into the light. New light living with intuitive spiritual life coach, Ulrika Sullivan starts right now. Welcome, welcome to today's show. And I have a wonderful, very wise guest with me today. Her name is Ambika Devi. And it was really hard to kind of narrow down what we were going to talk about because she's such a wealth of knowledge. But today we're going to talk about meditation and and that as a tool to taming the mind and also to discover the self. So welcome. First of all, before we dive into this uh, episode today, I want to welcome you, Ambika, to, to our show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. And thank you to everybody listening and watching. Yes. And why don't we just jump right in? Are you okay with that? Absolutely. Go for it. Great. So I want to just introduce um, uh, our listeners to who you are and what type of work you do today. Well, I am definitely eclectic. And uh, aside from having a great passion for teaching everybody about meditation and giving them an experience so that they know that they're in the state of meditation, I'm also a writer and I've worked as a musician. So using the voice as a launch tool for meditation is of particular interest to me. I am a visual artist and I love to create my book covers and make jewelry. And I also paint and draw. And I am a huge lover of nature. (laughs) You can see the flowers behind me. Yes, wonderful. And I just, I love experiencing people 
and helping them to find better health. In the past, I taught holistic health at the university level. And that led me into realizing that a passion of mine from when I was a teenager, which was astrology, played a really big part in health. I, a lot of people don't realize our Western medical system has strong roots in astrology. And I decided to let go of the physical touch work. I still do some energy work, although now uh, not having anybody come into my house during the lockdown situation that the entire planet is in, I have moved more into talk and coaching. So I use an eclectic toolbox to assist and help people with many, many things to help them find greater health, uh, better happiness, more and better communication skills and wellness in a well-rounded way. And meditation is definitely the underpinning and strong point of all of it. Yes. No, thank you for that. And as everyone can hear, it was, you know, where do we start with Ambika here? <laughs> Explore her toolbox of creativity, beauty, and, you know, uh, connection with the earth, uh, everything. So one thing that I'd love to hear your your um, view on is meditation and and what do you think and how it's actually relevant to the times we're living in because meditation, as we know, is an ancient practice. But if we bring it to today and um, well, how how is it relevant to the times we're living in now? There are so many different queries I get that relate into the structure of meditation. For instance, quieting the mind, feeling more happy, feeling healthier, learning how to make better choices, whether it's in relationship or with health, what to eat, how to conduct the day. All of this can be made better and clearer through a meditation practice. Now with the invention of technology, we now have a variety of things offering meditation through video entertainment and audio. And I'm the first one to admit, I call a creative visualization podcast of my own, Meditate with Ambika, but it is a guided creative visualization technique. And I've combined Yoga Nidra, which is a distinct uh, meditation launch practice with also a background in hypnotherapy. So I make it very hypnotic to be sure that I get the listeners into a very relaxed state and so that they can launch into that deep trance state, which is meditation. Meditation is quite simple, Ulrika. It's really just sit up straight, close the eyes and focus on the breath. Now, a lot of directives will translate the ancient writing that was in Sanskritam, which is Sanskrit, into saying, focus on the tip of the nose. However, that will just make you cross-eyed. And what I like to teach my students and clients is to focus on the air coming in the front inside edges of the nostrils. Most people can sense that and get a bigger aha. I do get told by students different things pretty much on a weekly basis as to what 
clicks and gives them a, an aha. For instance, last week, one of my students said to me, I was listening to one of your guided meditations on your podcast, and it was for the Ajna Chakra, which is the third eye. And when you said cave of meditation, wow, that just totally blew it open for me and made sense. And now I get a sensation. So that just like certain other habits we have is different for everybody. So I wish I could just say magically wave a wand and say, here's what you need to meditate. But it's kind of like with sleep too because sleep is very similar to meditation. Actually, Yoga Nidra was developed likely because yogis thought, wow, when we're in sleep, we get into this very, very deep state. And we call it deep sleep in Western terms and measurement. And could we get there while we're awake? So this is called uh, Toriya which is a particular state of, of kind of walking, moving in a trance, which is when we get ourselves in the likelihood of making the best decisions because we're really not making the decisions. We're, mm. not, we're not really the doer at that point, which yeah. babe, hopefully I'm not <laughs> confusing anybody. <laughs> no, thank you for walking us through that because I know in, uh, on this podcast and our audience are really you know, into meditation, but some of us may not have, you know, the nuances. One thing that you said, Ambika, was uh, one of the desires with meditation is to relax or calm the mind. Why is it so important? Well, we all have this sub-vocalization that are, we can think of them like mind waves. We know through even scientific measurement that the mind is firing and thoughts are coming through all the time, but we're only noticing a fraction of them. And often that fraction is a repetition. I call it a hamster wheel. It's like we're running around on a hamster wheel and the same information is coming through. So wouldn't it be nice to still that? And some of the meditation techniques even talk about the mind and our relationship to the mind like a lake, a turbulent lake, and that we're to get it to be glassy. Well, that's great. You know, you're, you're telling me I need to make my mind like a glassy lake. How? How do I do this? So I've, it's my mission. I'm on a quest to find as many techniques that I can test out with people and I know that they work and that they make people happy and they give them that sense of the glassy lake so that they're not struggling like the glassy lake is actually on the other side of a of a wall and they can't get to it. Mm. Well, that's a great visual too because when a glassy lake if anyone has been at a glassy lake it, it also comes with that calm within just by watching it, right? Mm. So that's a great visual. Now if you don't mind, how we're so curious about your journey. And can you give us a little bit of uh, 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 history of how you got to where you are now? 
And Absolutely. Feel free to share anything that you feel is relevant to this topic of meditation. I began meditating when I was only six years old and I was going to a Quaker school and they had a group meeting every Wednesday morning in a big stone meeting house. It was always cool and kind of dark. And I remember the benches had these red velvet cushions on them and they didn't look that comfortable, but this, this meeting house became a quiet sanctuary for me, a place that we as a school went every Wednesday morning and sat still and quiet for an hour together. Now imagine six-year-olds with, which were first graders all the way through sixth graders sitting quietly and enjoying it every week. Mm. It's, it seems kind of wild, you know, like, how does, how do you do that? But we all did. And it was peaceful. And think about it. Wednesday morning, if you're a school kid, is the middle of your week. We also sang on Tuesday mornings for an hour. So we did things together in the mornings that were different activities than homeroom. We did them as a group of mm. sixth grades together. So that was my starting point on a May day, which is the first of May, we had a big celebration in a big grassy grove lined with huge, huge evergreen trees. And this, this grove actually was discovered by William Penn. This was in Pennsylvania. And the school that I went to was on land that was his originally. And we would go down there and have big outdoor assemblies. Now the school went all the way up to 12th grade and on May day we had maypoles and the first graders had little maypoles and the 12th graders had a huge maypole and it was a big deal because we all wore white and danced and did the proper maypole dance and I remember training for this like in gym class and as an added event during this May day when I was six years old in first grade, yogis came and did yoga. And they used to play a big Victrola. Those are old fashioned record players. That's before eight track tapes and CDs, everybody <laughs> way before MP3s and it had a horn. So that's, that's how this thing would make music. We didn't even have electronic speakers. Yes, I'm that old. And <laughs> And uh, they did yoga. They did kind of this flowing dance, like very slow moving yoga. And I turned to the little kid next to me and I said, I'm going to do that. And so there was a knowing back then. Soon after that, my mom began taking yoga classes with a disciple of Iyengar, another great yogi who had come to America from India. And she took me with her. And I remember the very first class the classes were held in an old church, another old stone building. I, I miss that about Pennsylvania, the thick stone walls and the quiet of the buildings. And I remember after class, we laid still on our backs in a posture that's called Shavasana, which is translated as a corpse pose because you're lying on your back and you're relaxing. You don't have your hands folded on your chest. They're by your sides and very, very comfortable. I remember just a sensation of, of floating 
it was kind of dreamlike, but I knew where my body was and I loved it. And I just said to my mom, I want to keep doing this. So she kept taking me. And then when I was a teenager, I took my first yoga teacher training back then. You could do it at 17. I think it might be a little older now, maybe 18 in States because the legislation has changed. And later I went on for more and more and ultimately a master's degree in yoga and I've been researching meditation and the power of primordial sound ever since as a part of PhD research. Oh, wow. That's quite a journey and, and deep, deep knowledge by now uh, on this topic. So that, that's wonderful to hear. And what would you say if you look back on your journey with meditation and yoga and all the different practices that you've brought into your toolbox, what would be one of the, or a couple of really great experiences that have come out, uh, out of this journey for you personally? I can tell you things I miss from way back then, because I really do think certain organizations have a very yogic sense. They may not call themselves yogis, but in that Quaker school, we all had to have a job. We all had to clean something. Maybe it was lunch dishes or toilets or the art room. And we sang together, we meditated together. It was kind of an ashram sensibility. And it created a beautiful community. I think the separatism that we're all experiencing now is is brutal on our psyches i think we want to be in these communities and supporting each other and many of us are trying to figure out how i also look back at that time ulrika and i realized that i didn't get really stressed out about tests or having to stand up in front of my class and speak or share things and we had such a beautiful family sense. And then later living and studying in an ashram, because I've gone through many different yoga teacher trainings and different ways of teaching meditation as I've been studying and researching throughout the decades. And I think that it's something that's lacking in our education system. And this is a mission that I'm on. I want to teach teachers how to relax and meditate. I want to teach them how to use the skills of guided meditation for their students so that their students have that sense of community and oneness with each other. And why not corporations? So that corporate leaders have their workers all feeling more unified and more relaxed. So this is my current mission that I'm mm. on with it so important because yeah as you say the lack of of um connectedness if you will uh, can be achieved even if you're sitting in a in a room and as a collective being quiet yeah and and meditating so that's that's something that um you don't you don't need any words <laughs> well and the other thing i mean Meditation is really an emptying. It's a withdrawal from the senses. But before I can teach you to go really, really deep and do that, I like to teach you how to get in touch with your senses. We are desensitized by technology. Yeah. Amazingly. 
So when I ask new students, you know, which of your senses do you feel you're most in touch with? Which are the strongest, which speak to you? They'll give me two, maybe one, sometimes three, but we have five senses in the physical body. And then there's the idea of a sixth sense or intuition or some other word to describe that cognizance. And we all have these gifts, but we're, we're so desensitized to them that I feel in the state of meditation, we get out of the idea of this is all I've got. This physical body is it. Mm. We realize that we are some form of energy. We hear the phrases like we are spirits having a human experience or a soul having a human experience, but in meditation, that's where we actually get to experience it and know it. And we hear things about we're all interconnected. There's a web that connects all of us. But in the state of meditation is where we are able to experience that. Mm, so beautiful. So much wisdom right there. And, and you alluded to this too. I want to ask you, and maybe we've kind of gone into this topic a little bit, but if we go a, a deeper layer into, like if somebody is listening or watching this right now, and I have tried and tried and tried to meditate, but they're struggling. Why do you think, first of all, people are, some people are struggling with meditation and what would be your um, kind of entry point. Mm. If you have somebody that is in front of you that has, tells you, I've struggled with meditation. I, I, I'm not sure I'm doing it right or whatever the, the reason is. What would you say to that person? There are three launch points, potential launch points to get into a state of meditation. The brain waves fire in such a way that every 90 seconds we can potentially hook in to a particular pattern and move into a trance-like state. So the first thing I would ask the person is, have you ever been walking down the street texting and you haven't fallen off the sidewalk or bumped into anything? Who is steering? What was going on? Have you ever been driving a car and all of a sudden you realize, whoa, how did I get here? Who was steering the car? What was the state of mind you were in? Have you ever been doing a, a participating in a sport or an art project that just draws you in and time goes by and all of a sudden you, you kind of come into a realization and you think, I haven't had a drink of water or, or I, I need to pee, you know, and, and how long and you look at the clock and hours have gone by and you're just consumed. It could happen when you're cleaning. It could happen when you're cooking. Any activity, so physical activity potentially can do this. And we know this because we've seen athletes interviewed after they've performed in a game or a performance. I think of ice skaters often because how the heck do they do that? You know, on little blades and spinning around and jumping around. And then the, the commentator comes afterward, puts the mic in their face and says, you know, how did that feel? You know, how about that one turn? And they're still trying to come back. I know if you've ever watched ice skaters, you've seen this. That's because they were in what people call the zone. Well, the zone is the meditative state. 
So I've explored things like drawing techniques for meditation and movement techniques, of course, but I have found that sound using your own voice works much quicker and is more effective. Then there is the mind entertainment, watching particular patterns uh, on YouTube videos or listening to particular frequencies and watching or just using sounds and frequencies, these can do it. Yoga Nidra style or hypnosis recordings where we're being talked down, getting deeper, relaxing. So this is the second style, which I call mind entertainment, which is fine because we've got to quiet it down sometimes. So everybody use what works, just be safe. You know, don't listen to meditation recordings while you're driving and certainly not while you're walking because you don't want to fall off the sidewalk. And then the easiest directions, which seem to be the most challenging, which is sit up straight, close the eyes and focus on the breath. Once though, once you find the meditative state and you have a full body experience of it, then it's easier to revisit. This is a part of us that's a little child that really wants to know, what does it feel like? What's the sensation? How do I know I'm there? But if you, if you try these different techniques, one is surely going to take you there. Mm. And then you can try again and try again, and then you can try something else. And eventually after you've learned how to get into the meditative state, you can start practicing seated. I find when people try to start with gazing at a candle flame or a dot on the wall, or just sitting on a meditation cushion and forcing, no, just like yoga postures, these need to be comfortable. So yes, we do see a lot of performance happening in social media where people are getting into these pretzely shapes that's great. They're flexible. Good. But yoga is more like an animal awakening from a nap. If you've had a cat or a dog or even a horse and you've watched them get up from sleeping and the way they stretch and move, they're just listening to their bodies and they're letting their true nature move them. Yeah. I love Ambika that you're, uh, you know, correlating meditation with the full body experience because so many are believe that meditation is all up in the in the head but it's not no <laughs> and i love that you brought that <laughs> up that it, it is a body experience now if you if i may ask in terms of all the different techniques and experiences you have had on your journey what is one practice that you for yourself that you you is your go-to. Okay. Uh, daily practice. So uh, bathing, cleaning the body first, because if, you're, if your mouth is not clean, if your insides haven't evacuated, you won't be comfortable being still. So you've got to honor that you've got to clean inside and out, have some water, take a shower or bath. And then I practice some chanting, and then I practice some pranayama, which are breathing exercises. 
And I do quite a lot of pranayama. So alternate nostril breathing, uh, which is called analoma valoma. Uh, these are rounds of breath and uh, kapalabhati. I practice both of those. And then I sit still. Now, occasionally, I might just feel like I want to be still and quiet first, but I will do the other practices. So uh, I'm a little eclectic that way too, I guess, Ulrika, that uh, I don't always start with the chanting and breathing. It's just, you know, how am I feeling when, uh, when I get there in the morning? So this is how I start my day. Then in the evening, I go for a really long walk in nature. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I walk earlier in the day a bit, but I always get at least four miles in a day. And I like to connect with nature and look at the plants and see the different animals and creatures and listen to the insects. I love going at sunset because the birds stage in the trees and I love to watch them meditate. They watch <laughs> the sunset. So the birds have taught me that that is a really great time to do a moving meditation of walking. And then I do a little bit more chanting at night. I always, always do some chanting on my food and my drink mm. before I take it in, honoring and being grateful. I like to visit my gardens and talk to my plants and look at the flowers, listen to the birds. This is all meditative practices that I do throughout the day. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Ambika. Now, if uh, someone in our audience here are used to meditation um, and maybe have tried, you know, visualizations and guided meditations and, and are pretty into it, but want to expand. What are some of your recommendations around what to expand into? What's the next level? Primordial sound, learning how to use your voice. And this is something, yes, I can teach in a group, but then if I work with you, when I work with you one-on-one, -on -one, I can tune you like an instrument. And depending on what level you're at, everybody's at a little bit of a different level. So even with something like teaching you postures, I much prefer to teach one-on-one. -on -one. Sure, in the past, I taught big group classes and with Yoga Nidra, yeah, I've done huge groups, over 80, maybe 100 people at once. Uh, but with a more intermediate advanced student, I prefer to work one-on-one -on -one because I want to understand where you're at, what your needs are, and then take you further. Mm, beautiful. I would love to. <laughs> well, great. Go, go visit my coaching site and <laughs> grab a 15-minute uh, discovery session with yeah. me, and so we'll, see what, we'll see what we do. Yes, that sounds great. So on that note... Where can we connect with you and find you, Ambika? Well, my coaching site is Ambika's Coaching. So that's my name, A-M-B-I-K-A, -A, with an S on the end, Ambika's Coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. You can see more about me at my name, AmbikaDevi.com, which is A-M-B-I-K-A-D-E-V-I.com. And at my coaching site, I also have a course to yes, help people have. sleep. Because another thing I notice, Ulrika, is people try guided meditation and they fall asleep and then they get frustrated. 
and they wake up and they think, well, I wasn't meditating, I was sleeping. And maybe they were in a group class and they know they were sleeping because people said to them, uh, you were snoring. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I like to tell people is if you fall asleep while practicing guided meditation, let yourself sleep, please let yourself sleep because you were tired. And this is taking you near that brainwave. But what's happening is when you get there, the body goes, oh, finally, I can relax and go to sleep. So you do. And please sleep. Just set an alarm if you're doing it on a day when you have to be somewhere. Now, if you practice yoga nidra and you do it for about 30 or 40 minutes, which is a standard session, although I have a lot of mini sessions at my Meditate with Ambika podcast, which you can find real easy. Just type in Meditate with Ambika. And yes, I know it's guided meditation, but that would have been a really long title. So I called it Meditate with Ambika. Um, I have one for the morning, which is a less than 15 minutes long and it, it is a guided visualization and really helps get you set for the morning uh, at the coaching site i also have a great course to help you sleep because if you're not getting enough deep sleep forget it you're going to struggle with meditation it's it's just going to frustrate yeah. you the first thing you've got to do you know there are three pillars of health uh, one is lifestyle another is getting good sleep. And another is nutrition. So we've got to get those all correct before we can hope to get into a deep, a deep state of meditation. Mm, so true, Ambika. And you have also uh, given our audience here on New Light Living Podcast a very generous gift, which is uh, 50% off uh, on that sleep course that Ambika mentioned. And I'll put a link to that in, in the show notes below here so that you can access it. And it's 50% off. So that's, you know, for anyone that feel called to, uh, you know, get better sleep as one of those three pillars before mm -hmm. you dive into expanding your meditation practice and and so on, go and uh, utilize that uh, generous. Offer. Yes, and the, the coupon's really easy. It's the name of Ulrika's show. So it's just new light living and lowercase is the code to use at checkout and it will automatically give you 50% off on the yeah. End Sleep Envy course. So you can find that either by just typing in End Sleep Envy or you can find it on the front page of my coaching site. And you're welcome to give it as a gift everybody, because maybe, you know, some people that could really use some help sleeping. And I, like I said, I just want to help people be happier and healthier. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much, Ambika. And before we wrap up this uh, episode today, I'd like to ask you something really personal. Okay. And that is, what do you live by? As far as I don't understand the question. <laughs> well, let's let's put it like this. One is, what is something that is really important to you that you uh, are, is a non-negotiable for you? Mm, love. Mm. I believe that we're all here to love 
ourselves and one another and to love as if it's all the same thing. And I think also as an adjunct to that kindness, being kind to ourselves, being kind to others. I, I look back at how I was raised and uh, in a very pacifist, peace-loving family. And that is what I live by. So peace, love, kindness, and understanding. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Ambika. And thank you everyone for listening and watching. And we'll be soon back with another episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to New Light Living with me, Arika Sullivan. When you see your life in a new light, your world looks different. Worry, fear, and the everyday go, go, go are no match for you in this bright new light. Join me next time as I lay out the practices and tools for you to liberate your amazing self into living your ideal dream day. You can start now to take the guesswork out of getting to know yourself again and expand into your essence to feel present, alive, inspired, and connected. Keep listening, keep learning. Imagine no more wishing for your dream life. You get to start living it today. For more information, please visit newlightliving.com.